Sometimes apology is not for the person, it's sometimes it's for you to move forward and for you to be at peace with yourself, even though the person is ready to receive it or not. You know, it's sometimes something that you, you will have to do for your peace of mind. I'm Leon Guidry, and this is the Brother Be Well podcast, brought to you by Sutter Health and the Sacramento County Division of Behavioral Health Services through the voter-approved Proposition 63 Mental Health Services Act. We're going to help you level up and lean into effective solutions for mental health and sustainable wellness for boys and men of color. I want to pull our mentors into this. We, we didn't hear from D'Angelo or Jonathan about that video, so I want to check in. Jonathan, you're much more introverted. That's my sense, so I'm going to call on you first. Like I pick on Ted sometimes to talk. I'm going to ask Jonathan, what do you think about, what do you think about the video, sir, and, and how do you process that? And through the lens of a mentor, you're mentoring young people every day. It brought back a lot of memories of, you know, even personal things. Cause I, I know I went through a part with some, some family members where we didn't speak for about seven, eight, nine years. And we'd be in the same room and I found out it's harder to try not to speak to somebody and just to speak to them and, and go on and basically the apology or expecting an apology from them. Once the the apology was dead or something, we was able to move on. And mm-hmm. it was like a big, big weight off of both of our shoulders. But, you know, and if you sit there and hold that, you know, against somebody and don't, you know, just talk it out and get it, you know, it's a burden. And that's what I've seen it is, and especially if it's somebody like a family member or a close friend or somebody like, and you don't know how to, you don't know how to, but you, sometimes you don't want to, and sometimes you don't know how to approach them. Because I was talking to some friends of mine the other day, and she was talking about her brothers, and she hadn't talked to her brothers also in about 10 or 15 years. But then I remember I was telling her is I was trying to get her brother was trying to talk to her, but I told her he didn't know how to come and apologize to you because you always put this thing up, this wall up, and he didn't know how to go through the wall to sit there. And I, and I was letting her know he shouldn't have to do that to his sister. And she was like, well, I never really looked at it. And some people don't look at how they perceive themselves. And some people look at them and they don't know how to approach them. And sometimes it's the approach in that some people don't don't know how to do and how how to apologize is something hard because some people can't swallow their pride and some people have that ego. So it's basically learning how to, how to to apologize and each situation might be different and it might be different based on the person who it is and see how that person is going to perceive it. But you don't know how that person going to perceive it until you actually talk to them. Yeah. And so actually, actually, later on that night, they did end up talking and. Now they're talking every 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 week and every other day, and they ain't talked in like twelve years. Yeah, it's it's so true. You just reminded me, my and, and a couple of things I want to share, and then D'Angelo, I want to ask you this. I part of part of this, how to apologize? It absolutely is something I learned to do as an adult because I talked about my dad a little bit. My mother, bless her heart, she's still here. She raised us hearing these words: "Apology." The words "I'm sorry" don't mean anything to me. That's what I heard when I was a little one. My mom would say, love is a verb. You don't fall in love and you're not, you you love someone actively. So the words, I'm sorry, mean nothing to me. You have to show me you're sorry. Looking back on that and having raised two kids of my own, I, I get what she was trying to, to do. I, and, and 
thank her for that. But the message I heard was, if I say those words, they're not going to mean anything to anybody anyway. So that was not the right, I didn't take the right lesson out of what she was trying to teach. But I've since learned that the words can be incredibly powerful. Real quickly, too, I'll share. My sister and I, my younger sister and I used to be really, really close growing up. And a few years ago, we had a little impasse and we took we took a break. We used to finish each other's sentences and talk all the time. And just about two years ago, at the beginning of the pandemic, something went down with another family member and they said they're going to call Sue. And I said, well, I've got the question. Why, why don't I call Sue? And my other sister said, well, because everybody knows you're not talking to Sue. And it was hearing those words, y'all. I said to Karen, I said, well, I can fix that in about 30 seconds. Let me hang up the phone and call Sue. I picked up the phone, called her. We talked for two and a half hours. We then later that day, she called me back. We talked three times that day. And now almost two years later, we we barely go a day or two and don't talk. And she's on the other side of the country. But more important than anything she said to me, for the three years we weren't talking, she wasn't talking to my kids. And they used to be very close. She did. She kind of distanced herself from them. When I heard from them that Aunt Sue apologized and said, I'm sorry, baby girl. I've missed out on three years of your life. I should have been there as your auntie. And what it meant to my daughters to hear that really let me know that my mom was wrong. Sometimes those words, I'm sorry, can go a long way. And now watching my adult daughters and my sister shop together and you know watch movies and, and do all kinds of stuff, it's been really fulfilling. So I've learned that those words, while to my mother, my mother was one person, and maybe the words don't mean anything to her. But to a lot of people, those words are really pretty powerful. D'Angelo, talk about I got to get your perspective before we wrap up. What did you think about the video, man? And how did it how did it um, what 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 did you take out of that video? And how can you see it kind of serving you as a mentor to young people? Um, I actually uh, I actually wanted to touch what uh, Ted said, because uh, I definitely understand where he's coming from, where you hear. Um, do you care more about being right than or, or than the relationship and um, and kind of not understanding that in the first sense? Because for, for for a long while, I didn't understand kind of nobody really. Uh, my, my dad was really the only one to kind of apologize. And he didn't really he apologized in like a dad way. Um, it's not really I'm sorry. Kind of just either cooks or like his love language is feeding me. So if he is sorry, I wake up to all my favorite food or something like that. Yeah. Um, but it really took me, you know, seeing different family dynamics to understand because I, I feel like most of the time, like in my family or uh, in families I've seen, if there's any, if your family, your family, regardless of what happens uh, between us, that's how it's supposed to be treated. So people don't like Dr. Like, uh, Dr. Moss said, people don't feel like they need to apologize to you being family. Because you're just supposed to love them. You're supposed to you're supposed to ignore all of the hurt that you have because you know that um, at a base level that you're blood. Um, so I think I dealt with that a lot earlier um, than 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 anybody or a lot earlier where I had to discern. I was like, this hurts, but this is family. So it leaves you in this state of kind of confusion. And if you feel like you're insane because you're like, this hurts, I should, you should apologize to me, but we're just going to keep going and act like nothing happened because we're family. Um, mm. and, it, and it lets a lot of things boil under the surface, at least what I've experienced. And, uh, 
And that's why I understand where he means, because it's more so um, do you is this is this well being right? You know, everybody has their own sense of right. Like um, Mr. Michael Sanders called him saying everybody has their own sense of right. And some people just don't recognize that their what they thought was right was actually either hurting the person, regardless if they think it's right. Um, it, it was hurting the person and they don't acknowledge it. They think, oh, well, I'm right. So you should move with me instead of saying, you know what? I still think I'm right. But my bad if this hurts you. I don't think it always has to be one or the other. You can still think you're right and still um, identify or you can still identify where you may have hurt somebody. Um, and I think that's the really the more powerful part. It's like, yeah, you're right, but you don't have to risk the relationship by continuing to assert that you're right. And continuing to uh, whether you uh, don't talk to him or withdraw, you know, just because you're right doesn't mean that you should you should uh, continue that kind of not bad behavior. But, you know, if if you want to talk to your dad, if you love your dad and this is just something or not dad, but anybody in general, family member, you know, you have to weigh whether this argument, like Mustafa was saying earlier, if this argument is worth this relationship. You know, can I can we get past it? Like Mustafa said, a lot of people don't see in the small scope of time that as you move down the line, this may be something you laugh at, you know. Um, so yeah. that, that's what really touched me with that with that portion and me having kind of that because it's really a lot of people don't talk about the onus also being on the one that's been hurt um, because the one that has done the hurt, they have a responsibility to to come to you and apologize, but also the one that's been hurt. You know, you you have to be. It sounds a little, it sounds a little insensitive, um, but you have. I learned that you have to be ready to receive um, that apology. You know, sometimes you take that. Like I took that hurt, and I said, you know what? Well, f- forget it. You know, I'm a I'm a grind. I don't need nobody. You know, but all that actually did was remove myself from the opportunity of an apology to be said to me or an opportunity for me to receive my apology and to let go of that, 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 that hurt and let go of that issue. Um, so it took me a long time to get there to make myself um, available and open to that apology. You know, it's, sometimes it's, the onus is not always on the aggressor. You know, sometimes I, I know I can retreat, you know, and I don't want to, I don't want to talk to you. No, go ahead, go, you know? So I know that that's, that's, part of the thing that I that noticed to me too because he spent two years even after everybody came and begged him you know and that's part of his ego his grudge his pride um but we don't uh, but it's important to highlight both sides you know we both have a part or both parties have a part to play in this apology without a doubt we we both have both people have a role to play that was some really powerful words there D'Angelo I think everybody's got a role to play in that Dr. Carlos, before we we have to leave, I I can never believe how quickly this hour flies by, but could you give us a little clinical wrap up from a mental health perspective? And if you could, if you can find a way, and I always feel like I'm putting you on the spot because you don't know really what I'm going to ask before we get into these. Can you talk about them in the context of, you know, that ticking clock and with that story that the video guy told, time ran out, you know, the, the end of my father's story, we had a great 10 years, if we'd have breached that earlier, we could have had a great more than 10 years. But 36 hours before he died, we had another one where he laid in the hospital and he, that was then his turn to apologize. And I kept saying, I didn't know he was about to die. He did. I didn't know that. 
So I'm going, Dad, we don't have to talk about all this. Yes, we do, Michael. We got I got to say this, and I got to say that 36 hours later, he was gone. And I frankly think that it made it much easier for me, excuse me, y'all, to say goodbye to him since he had, it, it meant something to him to say that. It didn't mean as much to me. I didn't need to hear the words, but that he felt the need to say it said to me, okay, that's what a man is. And I've then carried that forward now. That's why it's so easy for me to apologize. There's, I, I don't have any ego in that. If I've offended you, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do that. It's easy. But Dr. C, wrap, help us wrap up here. Talk about either the video or this entire conversation. Um, yeah, sure. Thank you. Your, Thank you. Yeah. Thank you again, Mike, for being open and vulnerable with us, You know, uh, especially when we're on a live stream here. Um, so with, with, uh, like I said before, with what everybody said, you know, everyone has their own unique points of views and their own experiences that they bring into this conversation. And, uh, we have our own upbringing, our own traumas and dramas and stuff. So, um, you know, just, to, just to summarize before we do run out of time that you never know what tomorrow is going to bring. So from the mental health aspect, you know, going back to my Titanic analogy, we don't know what other people are dealing with and we don't know what we're going to be dealing with later on down the road. When it comes to grief, you know, there's different stages of grief, you know, loss, denial, anger, acceptance, things like that. They don't always go into that this, this stage is supposed to be. And sometimes we never get out of the grief process. So when we talk about apologizing, asking forgiveness, and on the subject matter of losing people, uh, we're going to suffer the consequences, if you know, to, to put it plainly, when they're not here. And we're going to have to deal with it in our own way. So, but everybody has their own path. Right. As I always say, with the people I mentor, the couples I mentor, the clients I work with, and what I keep repeating in my own head, everybody has their own path. If I want to sit here and apologize for some actions that I did, I'm going to go ahead and own up for it. But I also have to remember, too, maybe the person right now at this time is not going to be ready to accept the apology. And I also have to be aware and be mindful that maybe they'll never be aware for it. And I have to find a way to be at peace with that. Really appreciate it, Dr. Carlos. Before we wrap up, I, I want to give everybody 30 seconds or so to just take to tell us what your big biggest takeaway was from the last hour. It was a lot. We talked about a lot and unpacked a lot in that video. I, I saw everybody kind of get misty when we came out of that. So I just want to give everybody a chance to, to say what your number one takeaway is from this talk. Um, Jonathan, how about you going first? Um, what I got from it, sometimes apology is not for the person. It's sometimes it's for you, for you to move forward and, and for you to be at peace with yourself, even though the person is ready to receive it or not. You know, it's sometimes something that you, you would have to do for your, your peace of mind. Yeah, I, I would agree. Mustafa, how about you? Even if you're right, uh, it, you should uh, move on and apologize um, for hurting that person's feelings. And sometimes, uh, man, as I, I regret not apologizing in earlier. I mean, man, it brought me a, a lot of closure and peace. And sometimes we even talk about it and find it fond memories. We, we laugh about it at times. And man, man, it, it was hard for me to apologize the first time, but I, I, I am glad I did that. It's, it brought me a lot of uh, fond memories. And would you agree, Mustafa, before we move on, it, you said it was hard to do it the first time. Is it like anything else? It gets easier as you do it. It done it. It does. It does. Yeah. And uh, especially when you don't have a reaction that you're expecting, right. you might have a negative reaction or you might think you would have a negative reaction, but 
it would it might be just the opposite of that. And uh, I mean, my dad uh, somewhat admitted that he he was wrong as well. Yeah. He he may not said those very words, <laughs> but um, he he gave in a little and he said, you know what, you, you are a bit right on these on these terms and. I may not know, uh, stay up to date on these things. And thank you for helping me out. He was very appreciative of me helping him out. And it was a big moment for me to of growth. Uh, it, it absolutely uh, sounds like it was, Mustafa. So I appreciate you sharing it. Patrick, what about you? Your big takeaway. 30 seconds or less, Patrick. Do you want to be right or do you want to have left? Love it. Great, great summary. That was a that was a moving statement. Well, it's going to stick with me for a while, too. What about you, uh, D'Angelo? What was your takeaway? Uh, learning that a lot, a lot. I think I take away most is just learning that everybody else kind of had the touching on the same issues I've had, because, you know, when you don't get to talk to a lot of people, you know, you start to feel a little insane. You're like, OK, I can't be the only one going through this, but. Uh, I think I think hearing about you guys is you guys being so vulnerable about uh, kind of what you dealt with with your families, you know, it, it resonates and it helps me understand. It helps me know that there's somebody also in this position that also apologizes and sometimes don't get anything back for it or haven't been apologized to. So I think that's what really means the most to me is just knowing that I, I'm not the only one. Yeah, that's powerful. I appreciate you sharing it. Before we kick it to you, Ted, I got to share really quickly. I've mentioned my kids. If they watch this, they're going to be laughing when they see their dad because they, like I said, my oldest daughter saw the arc of Michael P. Coleman, right? So she tells me all the time, wow, dad, you have mellowed out now. This is not, she can remember me 30 years ago. And she's like, who is this person I'm talking to? Fairly recently, I apologized for her to her for a conversation we had when she was 13 years old. And she's, she'll be 35 next year. So when I got into it, she was like, are we really? I said, do you remember this? She said, yeah. And I apologize. I said, kid, look, I was young myself. I was really young when you were born. I, I was making it up as I went along. I knew it wasn't working in the moment, but I didn't know how to fix it. And I really need to apologize to you. I left you twisted in the wind. And I said, it did some things I shouldn't have done. And that girl, just the waterworks just started. And as a dad, I felt, oh, I did something wrong. And then after she finished, she said, I never thought I would hear you say those words. Thank you. And I can't tell you, we've always been tight. Both, I'm lucky I had two girls, you know, dads and girls, we're tight. But uh, she and I, Janet and I are tighter than we've ever been. And I think had I not been able to say, I am, if I could go do a redo on that whole day, I'd, I'd do it. I can't fix it but I can apologize. So those words mean a lot. Before we wrap up, Ted, I can't let you get away. My, my gentle giant is what I call Ted. If y'all haven't picked it up, he will sit there in the corner and take it in and then hit you with something that I have carried with me for weeks, some of the things he says. So I got to give him a chance. Ted, what's your big takeaway from today? Um, I actually really like what Jonathan said about the apology. Um, it's I think it was like, he said something about how it, it's not always apologizing for, to someone else or it's not always for someone else. Sometimes it's for you, for you, for you to feel better. And, you know, everyday mental health, I mean, this whole thing is about mental and emotional health. It's extremely important to me. It's the most important thing, um, especially after how I grew up. It's, I just realized how crazily important mental and emotional health is. 
Um, so I really liked what he said about how sometimes it's for you to feel better uh, yeah. about yourself and to grow, you know, to, to grow as a person so that you're able to treat other people better too. So I really like that point about how he kind of starts with you and then you're able to kind of take care of others after that. I like uh, that. I, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to step on you there. Oh, no, no. Uh, yeah, I like I liked that point. <laughs> I liked it as well. I liked every point we made. I like all of y'all. And I, I like the fact that you set some time aside to be a part of this conversation. Ted and Ted Gatia and Mustafa Alzalani, two of our youth contributors. Thank you, sirs, for your contributions today. Thank you. Thank you. Patrick Ma, he's a physician assistant and clinician, and he's a brother we will clinical advisor. And I love that dude, just so y'all know. Thank you, Patrick. So he says. <laughs> Jonathan Murray, you're welcome, Patrick. How about that? Jonathan Murray and D'Angelo Smith are with the Hawk Institute. Uh, it's a fairly new partnership of ours with Brotherly Well. I don't have one that's more fulfilling. So thank you to y'all. I look forward to all of these and looking forward to talking to you again. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you. And Dr. Carlos Martin Martinez, he's with hearyou.org, another great partner of ours with Brotherly Well. He's an associate marriage and family therapist and always brings that clinical lens that we desperately need when we have conversations like this one, Dr. C. So thank you, sir. Thank you. I'm proud to be here and I'm proud of each and every one of you. Thank you so much. And I want to thank you for checking out this video. If you liked it, check out more of what we're doing here at Brother Be Well. Uh, videos, audio podcasts, live events, all kinds of resources are available to you at brotherbewell.com slash resources. While you're there, you can sign up for our blog. That's absolutely free. Just give us your email address and you'll get notifications about additions to the blog. Um, we're a membership supported site as well. So take a look at a membership level that might work for you. We'd love to have you onboarded. And if something doesn't work for you, let us know that too. We'll find a way. If you're with an organization, a school, a, a nonprofit, or a business, and you'd like to, to join as a, a, a business membership, let us know. We'll make it happen. So brotherbewell.com is the place where you can find out about all of that. My name, again, Michael P. Coleman, Content Director with Brother Be Well. And I want to thank you again for watching and invite you to do two things for me. Take great care of yourself first and foremost. And then once you get that down, reach out, help take care of somebody else. And you make it a great day. Till next time, bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Brother Be Well podcast. There are lots of people that look like us stepping up to take the journey to wellness. Stay connected by joining peer support groups and happenings in the Brother Be Well community this month. Watch for text alerts and hook up with us for the next episode of Brother Be Well. I'm Leon Guidry, and we're out.